Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Before the show, here is a shout out to our new sponsor, Ferro Wine. Ferro Wine has been the largest wine shop in Italy since 1920. They have generously supplied us with our new t-shirt. Would you like one? Just donate 50 euros and it's all yours. Plus, we'll throw in our new book, Jumbo Shrimp Guide to International Grape Varieties in Italy. For more info, go to italianwinepodcast.com and click donate. Or check out Italian Wine Podcast on Instagram. Welcome. My name is Joy Livingston, standing in for Stevie Kim. And this is a show called Ambassador's Corner on the Italian Wine Club here on Clubhouse. I'm here with Laika, the Clubhouse organizer, and uh, we do these sessions every Thursday at 8 p.m. Central European time. She's going to let me know if I forget anything uh, tonight. Am I possibly forgetting anything or is there anything that you want to say before I get started? Yeah, I'd like to first butt in and say something about um, VIA. It's called Vinitaly International Academy that's where me and Jody, uh, we studied together um, for understanding Italian wine grape varieties. It's like the gold standard of Italian wine education. So there's one upcoming uh, this September 13 to 15. Uh, the deadline for the registration is September 3. So if you would like to join, the registration is still open. So it's going to be in Boston, Houston, and Seattle. It's an agile edition. And yes, um, just check on the website and then and also check on if you would like to ask some questions, have any inquiries or clarifications about the matter, just send an email to via, that's V-I-A, at justdothework.it. So that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Laika. All right. These sessions here, these are recorded. Okay, and they will be released on the Italian Wine Podcast in the coming weeks. And that's for those people who are not able to, you know, listen in because of their time zones. Let me just get into just a quick intro. So the idea behind this Ambassador's Corner is to give Italian wine ambassadors and wine lovers the opportunity to interview their favorite producer. And at the end of the discussion, we will give the audience a chance to participate in the discussion by asking questions. So today we have Jody Hellman interviewing Enrico Della Piana. I'm going to let Jody introduce Enrico, but I'm just going to tell everyone about Jody real quick, who I who I've met uh, several times. She has come here to Verona for Vinitaly. She was uh, at the Vinitaly International Academy this year, and so I got to chat with her then. Um, and she was actually recently just on the podcast. Uh, she was interviewed, so that was awesome. But um, she's an avid traveler, and she especially loves Italy and attending, you know, all the trade shows all around the country. And she's currently in. She's a sales consultant for. Johnson Brothers Distribution 
in Nevada. In the past, she was the Western Regional Manager for the Sorting Table. Uh, she worked in as the Nevada State Manager. She's a sommelier, uh, sorry, for uh, J. Lore Vineyards and Wines, and she's been a sommelier on the Las Vegas Strip for 10 years. So Jody, are you there? I am here. Hello, Joy. Hey. Oh, so let's get going. I'm going to ask you a few questions just before you get started. And I, I totally give the floor to you and I'll stop talking. So tell us why you selected Enrico de la Piana as your favorite producer. Well, for me, so Enrico just exudes joy and passion in everything he does. Not just speaking about his family's wine, but he's also such a champion of the region of Barbaresco that um, I really wanted more people to know who he was and also know about his uh, family winery. Awesome. And um, so what are the learning objectives that we should expect from this this chat, this session? Well, I think some of the things would be like the key differences between uh, Barolo and Barbaresco, such as the topography and the soil, along with um, other types of wines that are produced there, because um, we always, people tend to think of Piedmont and just think Nebbiolo right away. Um, and uh, Enrico always likes to say, like when people ask him, what's the difference between Barbaresco and Barolo. Um, he likes to tell them why Barbaresco is better than Barolo instead of what the difference is. So I think it's uh, really great to kind of hear his thoughts on, you know, uh, producing wine in Barbaresco. Okay, cool. His perspective. Uh, let's see here. So uh, last question. Uh, how did you discover the wines of Cantina Rizzi? Uh, so um, I was part of the import team that launched the wines nationally in the United States. Uh, and then I got to visit the property. The uh, first time I came to Verona, I took a little side trip in between uh, Via and Ben Italy um, in 2017 and went to visit uh, the property and Enrico and his family. All right, so Jody, it's it's such a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have Enrico, who I don't think I've said hello to yet. Hi, Enrico. <laughs> Hi, Joy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> lovely to meet you as well. Yeah, I, I don't think I've forgotten anything like that. If there's anything, um, go ahead. I'm going to leave the floor now to, to Jody to do her thing. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm really excited to have the opportunity to introduce Enrico Della Piana. If you're uh, not familiar with his wines, um, I hope you will, uh, after this conversation, run to the store or find a place that you can purchase some of his wines for sure. Um, and I just wanted to uh, give Enrico a moment to tell you a little bit about himself and about the winery, and then uh, we'll kind of jump in and uh, ask him a couple of questions as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the history of the property, Enrico? Okay. Ciao, Jody. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, naturally, we can do this uh, with the technology, so it's perfect. So I'm very happy to meet uh, uh, many people in, the, in this case, so I just introduce myself a little bit. I'm Enrico Della Piana, uh, winemaker and owner of Rizzi Estate. Uh, I'm in, naturally in Piemont, in the Barbaresco area, in the village of Treso. So it's um, I, um, my estate, Rizzi, is the name of the, our um, property, our farmhouse, 
and then uh, it's uh, more than uh, 54 years that we uh, produce wine and produce Barbaresco in, uh, in, in the area. So Rizzi, um, okay, all people uh, normally speak me, uh, Rizzi is the name of the, of the estate, but uh, many times in Italy, the name of the estate is also the family name. So for many people, I'm Enrico Rizzi, even if my family name is Della Piana. And so it's funny because uh, Rizzi for me is very important because uh, Rizzi is the name of the estate, the farmhouse, the hill, the crew of Barbaresco. And finally, I, uh, I joined the name Rizzi also in my family name, finally. Um, so we, we started to produce wine. It was my father, the person who decided to produce, start uh, making wine at, uh, in the family estate because uh, in 1974. But the property was my grand-grandfather since the end of the uh, 19th century. So we always have this property at Rizzi. But uh, it was my father in the 70s that he decided to change his life, sell a factory in Torino and start to make wine. So it's uh, something that is very uh, particular and strange. Always when I describe my estate, I start with the story of my father because he's still alive, he's still strong, he still works, but he's a person that uh, permits me now to speak with uh, all of you, permit to make um, the most, most beautiful uh, work because uh, I'm making wine, so it's uh, fantastic, but because my father decides to change his life in the 70s, uh, he starts to make wine, to work the field, and uh, if now in the 2020 we say, if I say, for example, ah, Enrico, what's your, what's your... people ask me, uh, which is your job? And I say, ah, I'm the winemaker, I have a winery. All people, oh, wow, where? Ah, Barbaresco, oh, amazing. So in the 70s, it was not like this. So in the 70s, people say, oh, you go to go. Wow, to my father, say, you go a farmer in, in Treiso. Why and not because uh, he lived in a big town in Torino, so he moved uh, coming back. So it's it was something very uh, brave, we can say crazy brave. But finally, in this moment, I can say that my father made the, the best decision of his life, and uh, fortunately, also for my life uh, and the life of my sister and uh, our family because uh, we live in a, a little. Uh, Paradiso, we can say, um, a little heaven in the middle, surrounded by vineyards. Uh, that is, uh, and then uh, my my work, my job is also my passion. So for me, speak about wine is something that is uh, incredible. I like, uh, and then I like drink wine uh, and different kind of wine because uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so. Um... Uh, it really is a little slice of heaven if you've uh, been, if anybody's had the, the pleasure of being there before. And his dad is still very active. Um, when we had visited the estate uh, just a few months ago, um, we were looking out from the top of the hill from the winery and we could see his dad out on the tractor. He was pointing him out. He was uh, running through the vineyard. So um, the, everybody in the family is still um, a part of what happens there. And you mentioned um, that Rizzi is not only the name of the winery, um, it's also a crew vineyard where um, the winery is located. Um, why is that important to the quality of the Rizzi wines and how many producers of the Rizzi crew 
are are uh, out there? Like, is there anyone else using Ritzy as a crew on their label? Okay, so in this moment, uh, we have to explain a little bit about the Barbaresco region. It's just uh, three three um, very small village, Treiso, Barbaresco, and Neve, plus uh, a little part of Alba. And... Um, uh, all the area of Barbaresco is subdivided in 66 uh, um, micro zone crew in French uh, terms uh, or uh, geographic mention. And one of these is Rizzi, because Rizzi is not only, I will say, the name of my estate, but um, I live in Strada Rizzi and the Rizzi Hill. And so one part of this hill. The, the crew take the name Rizzi. And uh, more or less, the crew is uh, more 60 hectares of vineyard. Uh, we own uh, more or less 50% of the crew. Then there is other producers that have uh, the lower part of the crew because we have all the top part of the Rizzi hill. And there is uh, just one very small and young producer in San Rocco Sinodelvio who make uh, a little quantity of Barbaresco with the appellation Rizzi, so with the mention Rizzi. It's not monopole, unfortunately, but uh, when the mention was created, it uh, was not possible to create a monopole mention, so there was more producer to... And then also Rizzi represents a particular area. Uh, it's quite big, so it's, uh, it's nice. Uh, it's a nice position, south-southwest position. How much, how much of the crew do you actually own of the 60 hectares do you, does your family own? Uh, actually, more or less uh, 30, um, 27 uh, hectares in Rizzi. And now, um, of course, we know that Nebbiolo is the grape that everyone thinks of first when talking about uh, Piemont, but you are passionate about growing other varieties of grapes and producing different styles of wines, um, especially Dolcetto. Um, can you talk about why you feel it is important uh, to you to continue to produce a wine like Dolcetto that may not have the cachet of Nebbiolo? But, okay, so that's uh, our estate. We make a different kind of uh, grape because of the Nebbiolo in particular need the best position, the south, southeast, southwest position. And so in our estate, we have also some uh, east, north uh, side uh, or west side. Um, but in general, um, we produce red wine, Dolcetto, Barbera, and Biolo, and white wine, Chardonnay, and Moscato. So this is our variety that we have. But uh, when you tell me about the Dolcetto, for me, is really a particular and historical wine of the region, where it represents the characteristic of Piemont. And in particular, I'm... I like this kind of wine because it represents Piemont, so for the characteristic, and at the same time, uh, is uh, is really important for Treiso because in the past, just until the 80s, the most important wine and variety of the region was the Dolcetto, so the the wine more sold. Then uh, the Nebbiolo. Uh, Pass, pass over, and so now the Nebbiolo is the most important grape, but uh, it's a part of historical of the region, and in particular Treiso is very, very well known for the characteristic of the crispy and the fragrancy of the Dolcetto. There are the hill of uh, in Treiso and, and just two other hills just in front of my winery, 
that is a typical area of Dolcetto d'Alba. It's important to not lose this wine because uh, the Nebbioli in the last years, naturally, is also from one side of it's correct, but it's like a cannibal. Uh, so it's Nebbioli everywhere. But it's important to maintain the Dolcetto for the characteristics and for the history and uh, also for the, the characteristic, uh, um, I think that's for the different wine of the region. And I think that is another thing that is funny for the color of the leaves in the autumn, because uh, the dolcetto is a so red color. And also for uh, uh, when you look uh, in the autumn when the change, the nebbiolo is everything yellow. And so you see the red and the violet, you say, oh, this is Dolcetto, this is Barbera. So also for the play, um, for the landscape, is uh, funny. Anyway, so I, I promote uh, always a Dolcetto. I believe in this wine. It's a wine, easy, everyday wine, um, but can be really enjoyable and with many kinds of food and easy dish. Maybe during the summer, drink a little bit more uh, cold. Uh, it's great. Well, yeah, it's important to um, just uh, for people to understand the history for sure. And then I know most of the people that are listening would never turn down a glass of bollicini. Um, and you decided to start producing um, Alto Langa, the Padose, in 2013. Um, what was the inspiration for you to take on this challenge? Yeah, okay, so uh, we start to make uh, Alta Langa in the 2013, but it's true that I start to make Bollicine in 2007. Uh, so my first uh, wine, I make experiment, uh, uh, I start to produce uh, Alta Metodo Classico, Spumante Metodo Classico, uh, and just uh, I enter in the consortium of Alta Langa in the 2013. Um, probably in this moment, I'm the only one producer of Alta Langa in the Bar in Barbaresco area. Um, for me, it was a, a challenge because I never made a bollicine before. So for me, it was important from 2007 until uh, 2000, uh, um, uh, until 2013, and until now. Uh, this uh, experiment, uh, so to study, to learn about the bollicine, and so in, starting from 2013, I have a more experience. Uh, Alta Langa is why uh, we decide to start with the bollicine because uh, it's funny, but uh, my father is uh, sometimes he's a little crazy, but uh, he has uh, many ideas. And so in the 2005, four, five, say Enrico, you have to start to make. Uh, uh, bollicine, because the bollicine is the future. You say, no, papa, no, 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 you have to do. And then it's funny because my father is a man that don't go to take aperitivo or drink a lot of wine in the restaurant. But it's, uh, it's like this, you see something over. So uh, uh, it's incredible. And you say, no, uh, and finally, okay, I decide to start to make a wine. And finally, now in this moment, uh, um, the Alta Langa is uh, one of the most uh, uh, sold wine in the region. It starts to be very, very popular in Italy in general. Um, it's very trendy and in the future, I suppose, also there will be opportunity also for export and uh, maybe little by little also in the other state. In this moment, it's a young appellation, Alta Langa, but he's uh, uh, just... Uh, in Italy is working well, and uh, I think that the next step will be 
more and more wine outside Italy and the sugar also in the United States or <laughs> whenever. And, and how much did you produce in 2013 and how much do you produce now? In the 2013, probably 3,000 bottles and now... Uh, last year I bottled uh, 13,000 uh, and this year probably we, I will arrive at 15,000 bottles. So this is my, uh, uh, all the vineyards that I have I can arrive and produce uh, more or less 15,000 bottles. So it's not a huge uh, volume, but uh, little by little. Well, um, I've had the wine before, and it's absolutely fantastic. Definitely a fan of the um, of the bubbles for sure. Um, and then, as far as um, the Barbaresco area from a geological point of view, um, uh, you know, on your website it states that it's not fund that fundamentally different from Barolo. Um, in simple terms, it's divided into two parts according to the soil types. Um, can you talk a little bit about the two parts and where they differ in the type of wines that they typically produce? Okay, so that is um, is interesting. So when we speak about geology, I just arriving from a, a master class of geology. Unfortunately, I left before, so I have no old information the new information, but anyway, it's uh, interesting to uh, to see it's not easy and not short. Uh, I try to make it um, easier possible to make understand uh, all people uh, the geology of Barbaresco. So in Barbaresco, we have, uh, in general, we can consider two kinds of soil. Um, all the soil is sedimentary soil. So what's mean? In... 15, uh, 20 million years ago, there was the sea. And so all the land that you see now was at the bottom of the sea, four, 500 meters under, uh, under the sea. Then there was a movement of uh, Africa and different plaques, and uh, this permitted to uh, push up the land and uh, the sea go in direction Mar Adriatic or actually situation. And the Lange is quite young, so the soil that are in the Barbaresco area is the sedimentary soil of the, of the bottom of the sea. The sedimentary soil between, created between 8 and 12, 12 and 8 million years ago. And uh, in Barbaresco, we have two kinds of soil that is called Serravaliano and Tortoniano. So Serravaliano is older and Serravaliano and, and Tortoniano is younger. Treiso is in the older part, Barbaresco is more in the, the village of Barbaresco, more in the, the younger soil, if you can say younger. Um, the characteristic of uh, all our soil is in general that's uh, more or less 50% is silt and then the rest is uh, clay and sand, depending the more clay in direction north and direction Barbaresco and the north part of Neve, more sandy in direction Treiso. All this soil is characterized by a lot of limestone. So this is a little bit the characteristic. And this kind of soil with this uh, characteristic is similar also in Barolo. Uh, more or less we have the same uh, uh, soil uh, and the same geological period. In Barbaresco, we have these two kinds of uh, only um, 
Seravalliano and Tortoniano is a geological period. In particular, the name of the soil is Formazioni di Lequio in Treiso and Marne di Sant'Agata in direction Barbaresco. So it's not easy to understand, but uh, uh, the geologic is always uh, complicated. So uh, I try to not make confusion. Um, for me, it's important that these two different soil, we have a different crew in, in the area of Barbaresco. And one crew is in, in the sandy soil, more rich in sand than Saravalian, and is the crew Nervo. And the crew Paiore is more in direction Barbaresco, has the characteristic of a little bit more uh, clay. So it's uh, particular. And then this characteristic of the soil is also characteristic that uh, we find in the, in the wine. Well, yeah, then you brought me to um, one of my um, other questions was going to be about the fact that you do produce two other crew wines, uh, one from Nerville and the one from Pyre that you just spoke about. So because of the soil, um, the exposure and the ele elevation, how do those two wines differ in their uh, flavor profiles? And um, are there a lot of other wineries producing um, a crew bottling from those two sites. Okay, so I, to memorize the characteristic of the wine is easy for the name. So Nervo, you have to remember that it's um, older soil, higher in altitude, more sand, is uh, more tension, more uh, ver vertical. And then Nervo, you have to remember that Nervo is mean nerve. So it's more nervous wine. So the tension, uh, very straight and not so rich and powerful, but is the characteristic for me of the elegance of Barbaresco and in particular the elegance of Trace. And the other one is a Pajore, is just uh, in is still in Trace, but uh, at the limit with Barbaresco, the characteristic of the Marl, um, Marl the Sant'Agata Marl, more Tortonian soil, more rich in, uh, a little bit more rich in clay, higher percentage of clay. And this gives the wine more rich, more shoulder, more powerful. So easy to remember, Pajore, powerful, Nervo is a nerve. So this is a quite uh, funny. Fortunately, I, I have two different crew with the, with the name that well represent a characteristic uh, nerve, powerful, so it's uh, funny. Uh, which producer make uh, Nervo? Nervo is a 16 hectare of... Uh, of crew, we have a four. Uh, my place, uh, my part of Nervo is just the higher part under the village of Treiso between uh, Bernardotte and Brico di Treiso. So my neighbor is Ceretto and over is Piacesare. But Nervo, in this moment, there are only three, pro there is only three owner in Nervo, and then one is uh, Pertinace, another one Piazzo, and then uh, naturally Rizzi that we make in Nervo. And Pajore is uh, probably one of the most famous uh, historical crew of Treiso and also for all Barbaresco area. Uh, it's a 25 hectare in total. Ten of these uh, is owned by Gaia. That he don't put, uh, he doesn't put uh, uh, Pajore on the label, but he uses this uh, grape for uh, uh, the Barbaresco for his Barbaresco. And then uh, there is uh, another producer in Nave that is called Sottimano and Belcolle. Probably soon there will be other producers, but in this moment uh, there are uh, only 
three wine uh, with the label uh, Pajoret. But is, the story is uh, Gaia that uh, uh, he bought uh, Pajoret in, uh, in the 70s because uh, there was another producer that make amazing wine, Giovannini Moresco in the 60s and in the 70s make fantastic wine from Pajoret. And so Gaia fall in love of this terroir, of this crew, I decide to buy. And then when uh, my father and I, we have the opportunity to buy in 2004 and 2007, more, three hectares of uh, Pajoret, I say, okay, we have to buy it because it's incredible. And so I'm very proud of this crew. I think um, if anyone out there really wants to get a sense of uh, a sense of place and really understand that um, to be able to taste something side by side and understand how different uh, the vineyards can be in such a small area. Um, tasting Nervo, your Nervo and your Pire wine side by side is a, is a really great way to understand what you're talking about, about how that small little difference does make a difference in the wine. So um, I encourage people, if you have the opportunity to try them side by side, to definitely do so. Um, and then um, within the Ritzi crew, you have a tiny section um, that is the Boito section that you do a Reserva bottling from. Um, what's different about that part of the vineyard that makes the wine special and how, what's the size of it and how much wine do you produce from this part of the Ritzi crew? So the Rizzi uh, is, is my crew, Rizzi. So uh, uh, finally, we have this uh, is a particular for uh, geological speaking because the lower part of Rizzi is more sandy, is uh, more older, and just the top part of the hill, is, that is the, the Vigna Boito, is a rich in clay. It's a geological younger, is a Tortonian, uh, and then it's a particular. So this part, the top part of Rizzi crew, is the part where we make our reserva, so age longer the Barbaresco, and um, it's the reserva. Uh, the, the Boito is come from an old vineyard planted in the in seventy one uh, that is fifty years old, just uh, uh, one hectare and a half uh, that I use every year, and depending the year the production is between three and six thousand bottle a year plus magnum. Um, so it's a small quantity, but for me it's a very small production. Uh, I just make the selection also inside the, the old vineyard, the old vine, the oldest vine. Uh, so it's really our special selection. And uh, as you know, uh, for me it's uh, funny because every year I paint one label, so you know you can... Uh, that's my passion for art and for watercolor. And so I decided to use a special uh, uh, my paint for uh, every year. There is a one uh, painting. Uh, this is, uh, for me, it's interesting to... Uh, yeah, well, you, you brought me to my next question once again, because I was going to ask you, because, you know, you do have so many other passions outside of wine, and you've integrated them into the story of Ritzi, like the watercolors, um, and that you produce a new label for Boito every year. Um, how did you discover painting? But uh, I always paint since, uh, since the big... So always been, so for, probably... I uh, have uh, two grandfather painters. Uh, my mother, this is a teacher of art. Uh, probably I have something in the DNA uh, that permit me to... I have no study of art, not at all, but uh, I paint and then uh, 
something happened that is that people like uh, so funny sketch so that they like um, for me it's quite easy so uh, people say how oh, can you do this and I don't know I follow the line and, uh, and then I design I use watercolor because it's, uh, I like this technique and then I can paint it directly on the label for example um, there is a um, it's interesting for um, uh, the label uh, of the Magnum. Each one, each single label is hand painted. So each single label is like a, a painting. So it's something that is uh, uh, I really like, and so I'm very jealous of the battle. Sometimes, uh, oh no, this label is so nice. I don't want to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so not only are they getting a work of art inside of the bottle, but people are buying a um, an individual one-of-a-kind one uh, work of art on the outside of the bottle with the labels on the magnums. If you're lucky enough to get a magnum of Boito, you don't make very many of those, correct? You know, it's a 100, 150 magnum and label, so then depend the vintage. And, uh, but finally, so when you ask me about the art passion, I can say that the wine is at the same time passion like uh, painting. So it's uh, for me, uh, every year is a new, uh, to make, every year is a new, uh, is a new art, the new wine. Uh, I have a new expression exactly. Every year it's uh, completely uh, different and so, and sometimes what happens? Sometimes uh, there are some paint that uh, is better than another one, but it's the nature also in the wine. So sometimes uh, I, I think that I make a fantastic job because it's um, put together passion of uh, drink wine, uh, the knowledge, the history of the... Finally, every, every bottle of wine that you open, maybe open a bottle of uh, 1990 and say, oh my, my God, so you, you're coming back in your life, in your story. Uh, so I think that the, the wine, uh, uh, it's like a heart, uh, and so I can also put together the, my painting, uh, uh, permit uh, this kind of job, permit me to have a, really a different... Uh, opportunity to uh, develop my uh, my idea, my heart, and my passion. So it's fantastic. <laughs> well, one of the other things that um, I think a lot of people, especially maybe more in the U.S., when they think of history or they think of uh, Europe and Italy and their, you know, the history is longer, so they just assume that the families have been doing this um, much longer. Um, obviously, like you said, the family has owned the estate since the um, late 1800s um, in the 19th, the 19th century, but um, also um, your dad didn't start making wine. Really, you're the second generation to be uh, making the wine there. And prior to you making the wine, uh, you played uh, basketball for quite some time in Italy. And could you tell us a little bit about the team that you played for and maybe how the discipline of team sports prepared you for life as a winemaker? Now, this is, uh, the sport, uh, the basketball is my passion. And so uh, it's interesting because, of, for example, I just uh, painted the label of the vintage Boito 2016 
I just make a paint uh, dedicated to Kobe Bryant that he passed away, uh, unfortunately, that he was a fantastic player, half Italian because he spoke uh, perfectly Italian. He lived uh, in Italy, so I dedicated him the vintage 16. Uh, I painted the two T-shirts of uh, number eight and number 24 uh, with the color Laker in the label. Um, and so this is my uh, this is a beautiful tribute uh, my tribute to a fantastic player and so fantastic vintage um, but it's also because sometimes uh, in my paint over the, in Boito there is uh, the basketball so because I play for 25 years uh, basketball since uh, when I was 39 so very old um, and then I decide, uh, so for me, the basketball is my passion. I play for a long, long time here in Alba, in my team. Uh, naturally, I'm not an uh, NBA player, but uh, I'm a good career uh, in the regional uh, area. And then uh, when you ask me about the basketball, uh, so I think that is very important because uh, you understand that when you play, you work in a, you play in a team. And then when you are in the, in the winery, you are in a team. So it's important that... Uh, the person that's uh, work with you are happy. Like uh, when you play basketball, that's everyone have to take a ball, they have to shoot. Uh, uh, you can be one man show. Uh, it's important to create a team in the. And then at the same time, for example, it's interesting to understand your evolution like a player. So when you was uh, 16, 20, 24, 30, 35, 40 years old. And so you recognize and you remember how was your uh, evolution. And finally, is the same thing that's happened in the life of a winemaker owner of one estate. So my father, maybe 20 years ago, he decided it was the most important. And then he was younger uh, with energy, but his experience. And maybe now that he's uh, older, he's uh, the 40 years old basketball player. And so you have to understand that maybe there is another one that's uh, like me, that is a 27, 28 basketball player uh, we can consider with energy. And so it's important. And probably in the future, I, with the basketball, I can learn that my, I have two nephews and then I hope that they continue my job. Um, when they will be 20, 25, uh, give them uh, importance, uh, support, uh, uh, this will be uh, so leave a space also to the other people. So this is important that uh, basketball and at the same time also uh, work in, uh, in the wine team is very important. Basketball team, a wine team is, uh, is, is very, very, very important. Oh, um, I see on the, uh, on the, the via chat that um... Uh, Leica had put a, um, a shot of you doing some paintings um, uh, of the label. So if anybody wants to see some of Enrico's work, you can actually find them on the website. Um, I also have, if you're friends with me on Facebook or Instagram, I've got some old ones and some videos, actually. Um, the first time um, I had the pleasure of bringing Enrico to Las Vegas, he had never been before, and we took some videos of him painting labels um, for some of the team members for the distributor that we work with. And I had found out at that time that that was the first time you had taken the watercolors um, from your home and they belonged to your mother. So you were painting these labels and you had traveled 
with the um, with the watercolors, yeah, that belong to your mom. So um, I really I really love that you had uh, taken that with you. So and then um, and basketball does come up a lot. I think the 2013 label was a basketball themed label as well. Yeah, that is. I just uh, paint a playground basketball also because. Uh, uh, was the the battle uh, when I finished to play basketball? So I dedicated to myself to my basketball passion uh, the label of Boito Thirteen. So it was uh, funny, and then I paint. And sometimes when I paint the the label uh, directly uh, like this, um, I use the uh, the basketball team. So it's the basketball idea. I paint some. Uh, Something like this. So I had uh, one more question for you, and then I wanted to open it up to the audience as well. So because you're such a basketball fan, and I know um, there are a lot of, uh, there's kind of a little culty group in the NBA of passionate wine lovers. Um, if there was someone that you could get to meet or come visit your winery and taste your wines, uh, who would you like to Who's the one person you'd love to have come and visit your winery that's a, a basketball player? So just I had the, the chance to speak uh, and met personally, tasting wine together with uh, Duane Wade. So uh, because uh, we have a common distributor in Canada and so we taste together wine. So it's fantastic because I see only three matches of NBA and all the three matches was uh, with um, one way to play in, in Miami, <laughs> and um, and so, but there are so many. Uh, I know that there are many basketball players that uh, invest in wine. They have a wine um, passion. So LeBron, LeBron James, uh, I know that he, he drink a lot of wine. So it's a postal. So you'd like to have you'd like to have LeBron James come visit you. <laughs> I would like, I would like, because uh, it's really would be fantastic. So I can say, uh, uh, because I know his passion, I don't know that uh, his passion is on the Nebbiolo, but I would like to make understand this wine, because the Nebbiolo and the Barbaresco, okay, for me, it's an easy wine, but I understand that it's not so easy. It's more uh, celebrated technique, so it's important. I will be making... Uh, uh, no better the area, so it would be great. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I so appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with everyone. Um, I think there's a couple of people waiting to maybe ask some questions. Um, Joy, are you able to open up uh, for some questions for Enrico? Yes, absolutely. So if anybody has any questions, um, put up your hand now. I See, Slavik is up on the um, in our little chat up there. Slavik, did you have a question for Enrico? Hello, Enrico. Maybe I I don't have a question, but uh, just uh, want to share uh, my experience with your wines because we met each other uh, before the COVID time. It was in the Grand Ilanga event at the beginning of. Uh, 2019 and I really appreciate it. I know that you cooperate with uh, some importer in Poland, but I really appreciate your wines. And uh, I cooperate with your neighbor uh, close to close to you with uh, with some other producers from uh, from Trezo. And uh, so uh, it's uh, it's great opportunity. And thanks to you and thanks to to, to Jody to 
have a possibility to uh, to hear the interview with you, and it's it's a great. Thank you very much, and then uh, I hope that uh, if the, this COVID uh, passes, or I wait for you in my in my winery. <laughs> yes, that's great. That's fantastic, and and I uh, and I want to tell you that uh, we share the same passion because uh, I was also a basketball player, but only in the high school. Uh, but I I don't have a physical condition to to be a good player, so uh, I. Uh, uh, I, I switch my uh, my passion to uh, to basketball uh, to be a basketball referee, and I was a basketball referee in in Poland for uh, 14 years, and I uh, and I officiate uh, the uh, the Premier League of uh, in, in Poland of the men's basketball and, and the extra league of the women women's basketball in Poland. So when I stopped my referee career career, I started my passion for wines. So that's. Uh, we've got almost the same, the same history. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hope to see you soon. Um, Alberto, do you, do you have a question? No, no, really. I just wanted to thank again. Nicola, <laughs> we met a few years ago. I visited the winery and it was one of the last moment things. I was, it was at the end of the day and uh, so it was sort of impromptu. And I got a great visit, got to meet his dad and everything. And fantastic wife. So, complimentary. I um, Enrico, I have one question. I'm not sure. Um, in terms of your favorite food and wine, what, can you give us like uh, a couple good pairings with your wine? Uh, in general, uh, okay, Barbaresco. Uh, okay, we can speak about Barbaresco. Uh, the pairing. Uh, so people say with meat. Uh, so fortunately, the Barbaresco is a more gentle, more elegant is the Nebbiolo. Uh, that sometimes match well with a good um, pasta and then good meat. Uh, um, you have to consider that, for example, uh, last, just uh, um, last Sunday we have a dinner with uh, other uh, seven, eight producers of Barbaresco because the four, uh, we are lucky in Barbaresco that uh, all producer is very close. Uh, we have uh, not, not fight. So it's uh, all people who collaborate promote the wine. And so we have just a dinner, all producer bring two, three bottles of Barbaresco. And so we start from Antipasti and we finish. Uh, I don't remember if the dessert is arrived or not, but because we drink too much. Uh, but it's a match. <laughs> but uh, finally, no, that's the part of the joke. I like very much with a good, uh, in people say game, but I like with a good steak for me. It's a good filet. Ah, it's fantastic uh, match with a good Barbaresco. So for me, you're a good high uh, ribbon or something like this. That's uh, I enjoy it so much. Oh, that sounds absolutely delicious. Steak is my absolute favorite. No, no, no sorry, sorry. That's uh, when I speak about food. Now it's just uh, mostly dinner time. So I say, okay, <laughs> Barbaresco with a steak. Oh my god. <laughs> and and if anybody does want to visit the property, there they do have apartments that they rent as well. Um, and it's centrally located. Um, it's just a few minutes up the hill from Alba, um, a couple minute drive from Barbaresco. It's really, truly in the center of everything. So it's a great uh, jumping off point and you can um, uh, book the uh, the rooms there. They're quite lovely and it's a fantastic view when you get up in the morning. So I encourage you to go and, um, and go and visit Enrico for sure. Um, the apartments are for rent. Uh, how You have two apartments available to rent there? 
Yes, choose choose more apartments. Uh, so yeah, now it's, we are restoring, but uh, anyway, <laughs> soon. They're still they're still uh, very comfortable, so it's fantastic. Um, uh, thank you so much. And then there will be also normally my sister Yole. That uh, she's always uh, the person that's normally make also a lot of tasting. Uh, uh, meeting people, uh, so because sometimes I'm a more the winemaker, and so in the cellar I pass, I say hello, shake hand, and then there's more, more my sister that uh, she has time to meet everyone, and so it's uh, we are a good team uh, in, in the Rizzi in the Rizzi family. <laughs> Well, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to to hear from both of you. Jody, you make an awesome interviewer. Enrico, I really, I thought that was such an interesting interview. And I'm just looking at your website right now. These are really lovely watercolors. These are so, it's really great. It's it's cool. It was a pleasure to hear both of you. And um, I hope that you guys tune in to the Italian Wine Podcast when this comes out, probably sooner than later. I'm going to probably pass it over to Laika now because uh, she's going to tell us about the lineup for the next interviews in the next couple weeks. Uh, Laika? Hi, everyone. So um, for next week, we have Cynthia Chaplin. Um, she's going to interview Ilaria Takis. Uh, she's the daughter of Giacomo Takis. And um, the other September 9 is going to be Hugh Priest um, interviewing Ariana Occhipinti. Then on September 16, uh, we have Alberto, who's actually here on the stage. Uh, Marti Alberto Martinez Interiano will interview Christoph Quenzil, Qu sorry, Christoph Quenzli from Le Piano. So that's it for now. Um, there's actually some more, but yeah, we'll keep you posted every Thursday. So thank you so much, guys, for um being here and participating in this clubhouse so yeah back to you joy okay well um yeah that's that's it i i wish you all the best everybody and um have a, a fantastic evening thank you very much listen to the italian wine podcast wherever you get your podcasts we're on soundcloud apple podcasts Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.